Good morning, gang, and welcome to uh, the new episode of In Love with the Process. My name is Mike Petchy. Uh, I am your host for the show, and I am uh, doing this one from across the country out here in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm staying at this uh, cute little hotel called the uh, Petite Hermitage, I guess, is my shitty French for that, um, but really cool spot. I'm out here uh, doing some uh, pitch meetings for the new project that I haven't been able to tell you guys about, Um, but it's been a pretty exciting week with some crazy ups and downs, and I just, I cannot wait until these things uh, get greenlit so that I can actually start talking about these stories (laughs) that I've experienced. Um, But uh, I figured that I would uh, pack up my podcast gear and uh, bring it out here with me because I got some buddies out here on the West Coast that I haven't hung out with in a long time. Um, And uh, that leads me to my guest this morning, an old pal of mine, my buddy Brett McCabe. Uh, Say hello. It's a really big get for you. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Let's make sure that you're up. There you are. Okay. Low voice. Um, yeah, no, we, Brett has uh, been a friend of ours for quite some time. You started by PAing for us on music videos, yes? Yes, indeed. And some commercial stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you worked with us on a Kill Switch video, right? Which one was that? In due time. Oh, right. The super cool, we're all friends in the studio video. I got to hit play and stop on the <laughs> playback. <laughs> Uh, Brett's from Boston um, originally, and then you moved out here to L.A. How long ago? Uh, four and a half years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the, you do uh, stand-up these days, yes? Yes. Uh, it's going well. And by well, I mean I am a delivery boy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the deal out here in general. Like Everybody comes out here because they have that dream gig, but then, of course, rent costs a lot of money, so you have to be doing some sort of part-time job. Yeah, so you move out here, and you get some big dreams, and then you sort of forget about them because you got to make money. <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch untalented people uh, work harder than you. And achieve some sort of success with that and then you beat yourself up for it for years and then your your friends from boston fly over and they're more successful than you even though they don't live here (laughs) so i'm doing great (laughs) well okay one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on the show is that i've always been a big fan of everything that brett does we've worked together we actually did a short film that did we release that film i think we did the Jesus movie that we did together? Sketch. Sketch. You're being very generous by calling it a short film. It's a stupid sketch, which, which after I saw myself act, I quit acting then. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, I'm always, I feel like you've always been a, a person that is creative at heart and you've been busting your ass, you know, even though you claim that you haven't been busting your ass. Yeah, I'm not going to. Get behind busting the ass. <laughs> chasing tail, mostly. <laughs> but I think it's just a, it's an interesting perspective to have, you know, talking about moving out to a different city and sort of trying to find your footing and and all that. Because I, I think that, you know, everybody has that dream, like pack your bags, move to LA, and everything's going to be fucking honky-dory. Um, but it's a lot of work, man. It's a long process to actually get to that point, Right. The listener, the listener can't hear it, but I've been nodding my head as Mike talks. <laughs> Just agreeing. 
<clears throat> so you've done a bunch of different, te- like you've done a bunch of different PA gigs, right? Is that how you started when you came out? Uh, yeah, because that, that's what I was doing back in Boston. I was just PAing. And the difference between LA and New England production work is uh, in New England or Boston specifically, you can make a living off being a production assistant out there. Uh, obviously, there's more competition out here. I was not making a living. Uh, I, w- I was also peeing for way too long. I think I was peeing for like five years. <laughs> and I, I've only been fired from one job in my entire life. And it was probably my last PA gig. It was uh, this uh, e-entertainment show called Botched about people who get shitty plastic surgery and then get more plastic surgery to fix <laughs> the previous plastic surgery. Uh, I was working on that five days a week, every week, and uh, I'm very good at my job, but I'm also not a bullshit artist like everybody else in L.A., so after a while, they're like, you seem like you don't want to be here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> How could you tell? Was it all the reading material I would bring to work? <laughs> what did they have you doing on the show? What were you doing as a PA? You know, I'm just driving around to uh, all the different locations. Um, I'm loading up the gear. I'm loading up the, the van. We had these minivans that we just pretty much lived out of and uh just dealing with terrible people it's reality television everybody involved with it is terrible on screen and off screen they're just vapid assholes uh i bet they're listening right now (laughs) (laughs) i've always felt that way about i mean i i i tried to say no to almost all of that stuff. I've been offered a bunch of reality TV uh, gigs, especially when I was a shooter. I was asked to shoot for a bunch of stuff. And I just, I think a lot of people don't realize that when they watch the show, the reason why there's a lot of shitty stuff that happens on that show is that um, some of the people that are making those shows are kind of shitty. And uh, nobody says no. Or let me back up. Uh, so I, I was just taking any gig that I could, uh, despite my complete disinterest and despite my expressing said disinterest. (laughs) And, uh, it's when I started saying, no, things got a little better. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got this gig. It's, it's going to be everything that you hate. How about no, (laughs) this isn't worth my (laughs) happiness. Obviously I've got a lot. Uh, I have been trying to do more audio work i made sure that uh, the air conditioning was off for this that's why you had me shut it off yeah yeah that's totally why you had it's me shut it off i'm freezing <laughs> you, you fucking la people <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> so what is uh I mean, I'm sure most listeners understand that are listening to the show what a PA is, but just in case you don't know, a PA is someone that basically comes on as an assistant. Sometimes they're an assistant for a specific department. Sometimes they're working for the producer. Sometimes the PAs are being shared uh, through all these different departments. But it's kind of like an entry-level position that really, if you're trying to learn about making films, if you're trying to learn about TV... 
that's a great way to sort of figure out what everybody does and be able to examine what everybody does. But it's a really tough gig. I mean, what was like, what's a normal PA day like? Uh, oh man. Well, uh, I treated today like it was a PA job because I brought breakfast, <laughs> brought coffee, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're you're gonna be doing a lot of coffee runs, a lot of coffee runs. Uh, they sort of understand that you don't know shit about gear, which is cool. So when you do a gig, like how long are most? They're pretty long days, right? Yeah, you're looking at twelve hours minimum. Uh, don't count on going home to your girlfriend within 14 hours sometimes. Uh, you're going to be dealing with personality, especially if you're, in, if you're in reality. You're going to be working with some personalities, <laughs> usually the unlikable ones that those shows seem to like. And uh, Do you have any... Uh, I'm sure you don't have to say anything that you don't want to say, but do you I'll, have... I'll name names. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> What do you do? You have any good stories? Uh, that woman Abby something from uh, Dance Moms is the worst human being I've ever met. <laughs> Why? Put put this on record, Variety. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on Abby's Dance Studio, which was a spinoff of Dance Moms, about her getting together her own dance studios. Why not? Let's give this asshole more power. Uh, <laughs> So we're shooting, it, we're sh- we're shooting, and then Easter's coming up. So we're we're not going to be shooting on Easter, but they still need me to drive her around on Easter. And uh, for all, those of you in New England, where we get holiday pay and stuff, that that doesn't happen in godless California. <laughs> so I'm driving around the worst human being I've ever met on Easter to these like Easter parties that people have been kind enough to invite her, her soulless ass to. And I just remember <laughs> I bring her and her assistant to some Easter party. Uh, and I, I like, I can't even go in, which is fine. I don't want to see these people, but I have to sit in the SUV for hours and just wait for a phone call. That's fucking so, terrible. So her and her assistant go into this party, and Abby's got like a dozen uh, makeup kits. My first makeup kits for girls, just to hand out because she's gonna befriend all these little girls that are there <laughs> by just turning them into a little horse. And uh, so hours later, when when I do get the call to pick them up, they're they're in there complaining. Oh, that wasn't even a good petting zoo. <laughs> this family had like rented out like a, a makeshift petting zoo. Like they don't have their own petting zoo. They just had one installed for the holiday, and these people were not impressed with it. <laughs> <laughs> only, only in LA. <laughs> only so they okay. So then you, you you get these two. You go pick them up. And yeah. you drive them around wherever they want. So you're basically a fucking car service yeah. for them. And uh, again, because I'm a PA, I'm dressed as a PA. <laughs> and 
Abby would vocalize her distaste for that. Really? <laughs> I don't think she understood what PAs did. She thought that I was just her driver. Because I remember one night after a shoot, they actually got her like a professional driver. And this gentleman was, was dressed as such. And she made sure to comment to me, now he's dressed nice. How come you can't dress nice? What am I going to put on a fucking tux when I'm lugging around C-stands? <laughs> You don't know what I do. <laughs> so how did it blows? Okay, so you weren't even fucking shooting that day, and they had you driving her around on like a on the day yeah. off on Easter. Because uh, the all of these productions, uh, they'll just use you for whatever kind of errands that they need you to do, and it's easier to pay a production assistant minimum wage than it is to hire an actual driver. And so, like, I, I see this, these ads on Craigslist and stuff, too, where people, like, instead of renting a van, they'll look for a PA that has a minivan or oh an God. SUV or something. Oh, my God. And they'll just pay a minimum wage and they'll use your vehicle. Uh, so these are little uh, shortcuts these, these shows will use. Well, <clears throat> they're trying to change that now, too, right? They're... I think California just changed um, the payroll stuff. So, like, you can no, you can no longer 1099 folks that work on movies. They all have to become payroll at this point, which is new. And then I, th- I thought they were trying to – what was the new thing that they were trying to turn over about PAs? They were trying to say that they could only work a certain amount of time. And so I, they're trying to protect them to a certain level because they have been abused for so fucking long. I mean, everyone in production – is abused and work way too long of hours. Uh, and then when you're working on something that is one of these reality TV shows and you're literally in a room as, a, as like a cinematographer fucking shooting paint drying on a wall in some fucking home improvement show and you're there 15 hours. You're using non-actors to sort of act. Uh, sometimes running through the scene again. I've worked on shows where they reveal the winner of that reality competition and they need to shoot it from multiple angles so they need they need that person to act surprised three four more times <laughs> i always get such a kick out of that whenever i'm watching them on tv and people are like i can't believe that they're so excited i'm like there's six fucking camera angles yeah. there guys and there's a producer telling them to amp up the excitement <laughs> so, so what else you got any other good stories i love this shit uh oh here's here's some some fun ones uh when i when i first moved out here i didn't have audio equipment so i was i was working some sound gigs for basically superhero porn (laughs) where there's no penetration but it's like fight porn like it's shot like it's a mortal Kombat level where like two ladies uh dressed like licensed characters but it's unlicensed so it's not wonder woman it's it's wonder girl <laughs> versus uh it, it it's not psylocke it's uh psychic lady <laughs> i don't know but she's still wearing like purple and blue yeah. or whatever yeah yeah and <laughs> and they fight each other and they choke each other up they tie each other up and we would shoot like two or three of these fights a day. Do they get naked? Is it like a nude thing? 
Originally, no, but there, there was a slippery slope with this company <laughs> uh, where it was getting worse and worse every time. Eventually, there were tits coming out. I don't think I ever saw a single pair of, of naturals. <laughs> uh, like, I was, I never thought I'd be somebody that could be able to pick out real ones from fake ones. But after that job, I was like, oh, I know what fake ones look like now. <laughs> I will say, as a fan of comic books and the like, uh, it's it's really not uh, canon to see Rogue fucking uh, Superman. <laughs> wouldn't happen. Uh, was that a thing for you? Were you when you were on set? You I had seeing- so much rage, so much nerd rage. <laughs> Just like <laughs> Deadpool would never rape anybody. <laughs> I worked a gig where a guy in a Deadpool hockey mask simulated non-consensual sex with Wonder Woman. (laughs) Again, there's no penetration, but eventually these fights just started getting uh, worse and worse till there was simulated sex, but still... Pants stayed on. <laughs> is it like, is it like the old Showtime uh, late night shit where, like, where like they start to have sex, but he's basically so high up on her body that he's just rubbing his junk over her belly button or even on her chest at one point. And you're like, this is sex. This is. And as a young kid, you're like, okay, so this is what sex is like. Uh, yeah, I was basically saying that as I stared at the ceiling and made, <laughs> and crossed my fingers that the boom wasn't in the shot. <laughs> How many of those productions did you end up doing? Hundreds. And that's why my IMDb is just those. <laughs> really? I haven't looked. My IMDb, like, I did not volunteer my name to be at these, but my IMDb is exclusively just these fucking vague superhero porns. <laughs> <laughs> and did they get broadcast? Like, where did they go? No, it's uh, all VO, or not VOD, but like they would sell them exclusively on their website. Like you buy, uh, you buy an HD video for sixty bucks. Yeah, just crazy. Uh, I do. No, I don't know if that company's doing great because the boyfriend and girlfriend split, and they were both owners. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> weird. What a weird. How'd you find them? Craigslist. Oh, Craigslist. Yeah, don't go there. The beauty of fucking Craigslist. I will say that I will say though that that's how Ian and I, my business partner, that's how we met was through Craigslist. Casual encounters. Or? Yeah, it was. It's like, hey, <laughs> and you and you like to make movies? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's strange, man. What a cool thing. It, I keep thinking of uh, like those bits from Orgasmo. Whenever you start talking about this, was it was it like that on set? Uh, yeah. Although, I guess it would have been nice to see some real sex. <laughs> You're not consensual even... preferable uh, <laughs> but you know beggars can't be choosers I've never I have to you have to send me one of these I've never uh, how are the oh, outfits uh, I I did have one of our friends buy one and we all watched it at his place once <laughs> it's uh oh I'll describe it right now uh so Wonder Woman fights a dominatrix who is also a mad scientist who creates a, a quote-unquote monster, which is just a guy in a Sasquatch outfit uh, 
eventually Sasquatch takes Wonder Woman <laughs> and they they tie her up but she was faking the whole time and she breaks out of those chains <laughs> and you'd wonder why she couldn't stop the uh, the assault earlier a uh, lot of story flaws I'll tell you <laughs> as a writer a lot of, a lot of holes a lot of, well no pun intended <laughs> So okay, so were you ever uh, witness to what the the story process was on these things? No, you just show up, and like a lot of these actors, they're going through. Like we would shoot it beginning to end a lot of times. There'd be two cameras, really wide, always real fun as the sound guy, <laughs> uh, and they would just roll through it like a bunch of different times. So, so I didn't see like the scripts ahead of time, which is fine. <laughs> I don't feel like I was missing out on anything. So it's almost like a weird play at that point. If they're yeah. just really, and they would just run through the whole thing, like no cuts. There'd be cuts because the director, but I didn't like that performance. Let's do that one more time. <laughs> and they took it really fucking seriously. Yeah, but he just churned through these like multiple ones a day, so and so crazy. all the all the all the choreography is is all all there and like these girls work their ass off i'll give them credit uh maybe the writing could have been improved (laughs) imagine that uh the writing not being good in sex videos (laughs) fetish videos would you if they had offered it to you would you have written oh i started writing one as an exercise (laughs) (laughs) I never showed it to him, but I was writing a Deadpool one with like a lot of Deadpool jokes. And I was like, this is too much writing for this. <laughs> it's not going to want, there's not enough fighting. There's not enough fucking in this. <laughs> too many quips and fourth wall breaking. So that's an awesome experience to have under your belt though, right? To Because the stories on that alone are just priceless, man. Uh, I mean, I've done stand-up stories based on what I just told you. I, I wish I could remember the bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've been doing stand-up for nine years, and I'm still reading off a piece of paper every night because my memory is memento style. But I don't feel like getting tattooed on my arm, uh, used cars, or like relationships, or <laughs> drinking is cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> so what do you do how often do you do stand up do you do it often uh, when I'm not in, in a dark hole <laughs> I'll try and get up at least once a week nice just churn out what do you do it around here oh man there's hundreds and hundreds of places to perform in LA if it's, uh, I never go to the clubs because then you, you probably won't even get up if you try and sign up for those open mics but I'm in dive bars just because that's that's we're most comfortable. <laughs> uh, in my experience, comedy where there's no alcohol is abysmal. If you if you think going to an open mic at a coffee shop is a good idea, uh, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> nobody working on their screenplay, over caffeinated, wants to hear your jokes about drinking and fucking. 
<clears throat> There's a lot of, I have such a great respect for people that can get up and do that because it's, I mean, you're put, uh, talk about being on the spotlight at that point and talk about, you know, show, show us what you got, you know, that whole thing. Um, has it got easier for you? Or is it still difficult to get up on stage? Uh, what do you mean? Like getting good spots or just like mentally, 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 it's way easier. Just as long as you're doing it, you're not thinking about it anymore. You're just like, I'm, I'm going to kill it tonight. And then three hours later, your name hasn't been called. And you're like, I'm going home. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> What's the coolest place that you've done stand up at this point? Coolest place. Uh, my buddies, Bronson Jones and Matt Devlin, run the Venice Underground comedy show every Wednesday at the Venice Townhouse in Del Monte Speakeasy. It's a fucking packed show every single goddamn week. Uh, it feels like a New York comedy club where because the audience is unforgiving. Really? <laughs> they can be brutal. And that's why Matt Devlin's great because he'll just throw it back at him 10 times harder. Where I've, I've watched comedians follow Matt Devlin and say, wow, I've never seen a comedian heckle the audience that hard before. <laughs> uh, so that that's it can be a brutal show, but the times I've done well there, it's more rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's just a style show. Everybody, everybody listening, check out Venice Townhouse. Yeah, plug Wednesday. it, plug it out, man. Right plug it out. The burlesque show. <laughs> so, uh, so that's your primary thing right now, right? That's the thing that gives you joy is writing jokes and sort of observing that kind of thing. And yeah, because as a comic, you need validation all the time. Okay. Hey, I just wrote this thing. I, I need to get a laugh off it, off it real quick. <laughs> And these likes on Twitter, it's not enough. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, I'm seeing a chick and I compliment her all the time and I don't hear it back (laughs) enough from her. (laughs) The other day I was just like blatantly like, I'm a comic. I need validation every fucking five seconds. (laughs) Please give me something. (laughs) That's so cool, man. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like I said, man, I'm proud of you. You're out here fucking doing, still doing that shit, man, and 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 still, still kicking, dude. I like the way your angle about it because I I feel like I'm just out here just wasting away. <laughs> <laughs> just keep working, man. Just keep working, keep writing. I mean, with everything. I've talked about this in other episodes of the show. It's it's these fucking waves, man. Where like you're at your peak, and our business, you're at your peak at a point. You're like, oh my god, everything's so amazing, and the future's so fucking bright, and all this shit's coming at me. And then it's it's brutal because you just fucking crash right after that. And then every time you crash, it feels like the 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 the, the sw- like the bottom of that swell is so fucking deep, and then you have to crawl your way out of it. Fortunately, I haven't had too many peaks, so <laughs> oh, come just on. flatlining. <laughs> come on, come on! I don't buy that. So, what are you working? So, you said you're uh, going to be doing a film, right? You're going to write a, a uh, oh Jesus, we're announcing it now. Now I have to do it. Yeah, that's right. I'm putting you on the <laughs> fucking spot, dude. Oh fuck. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and do something this summer. Oh, I won't won't give too many details right now to my audience. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to want to get their hopes up too much. 
Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <clears throat> um, you both, you and I, are huge comic book nerds at this point, right? Yeah. We could talk about comics a little bit. What are you reading right now? Oh Jesus Christ! I feel like I should call my my shop right now. I'm like, what's on my poll again? <laughs> <laughs> you still have a poll? Holy oh, shit! Oh, I'm adding to it all the time, and every once in a while, I'm like, eh. Maybe I don't like this one so much. Holy shit. All right. So for listeners that didn't grow up comic book nerds like us, what is a poll? A, a poll is when you go to your favorite comic book shop and, you, and you, t- you let them know, okay, I can't miss an issue of Jessica Jones. I need to make sure when that comes in, you put one aside for me. And so I've got maybe, tw- I want to say 20, the last time I looked at their index card that they have for me. Uh not as much Marvel and DC. Yeah. As I'm loving all the image sci-fi stuff. Image has been the only thing that's kept me in books lately. Seriously. Because, you know, Marvel stuff sucks. Straight I'm not, up. I'm not reading any good Marvel right now. Even the last... Alias was my favorite comic book. And the new Jessica Jones run was garbage. I guess to accommodate the TV show. Uh... Yeah, dude. I mean, the only thing that I was reading for a while was uh, the old man Logan stuff that they were doing. But even that just... The rebooted stuff. Just like, just nothing happens in it. And you're just yeah. like... You're trying really hard to... Like, it seems like whenever uh, a publisher wants to get dark, they're like, let's make Sin City. Like some version of fucking Sin City and Marv. And, and you're like, God, it's like... I always loved... I've always loved Wolverine. I've always loved that character. And the podcast is really fucking good. Have you listened to the podcast? I haven't, but I know about it. It's fucking great. Okay. It's like, uh, how many episodes? It's like 13 episodes, and they're 30 minutes of pop. And it's it's you listen to it, and you go, this is a fucking Netflix series. Like, it's really good. And the actors are really good. The stories are really good. The uh, delivery device that they use, the sort of investigative fucking point of view because you have to like describe a lot of shit because it's a podcast but and they do some really cool techniques like sound techniques where they'll play a recording and you'll hear a recording like it sounds like it's coming off of an iPhone but as you get into that recording and as you get interested in what's being said they transition into the actual space and so just through audio you see that transition and as you're picturing it in your mind you actually cut to that spot it's really cool dude so a lot of really cool techniques. If you guys haven't heard it, it's like the long goodbye, I think. Um, it's fantastic. I, it's on uh, Stitcher or something like that, and you have to sign up for the premium account, but they give you like a week, week's free fucking account. And I did it when I flew out, and I listened to like six or seven episodes on the flight out here. I'm going to do the rest of them and cancel my fucking account because I'm not going to pay for Stitcher. But, you know. So everybody shut this podcast off right now and go check out the Wolverine <laughs> podcast. It's wonderful. It's really good, man. It's really good. Um, but I got on a fucking tie right there. Um, the uh, Wolverine I've always loved. I always loved his character. And then, you know, for years they... One of the things I always loved about Marvel is that they just have this whole back catalog and they're actually building this like long-running fucking character story with these guys. And that whole point where the movie shit was going weird and they had trouble with Fox and everything else and they started to fucking just kill people off. It's, it's really interesting how they sort of got rid of the Fantastic Four because those movies are so notoriously bad. That yeah. Even Marvel Comics was like, we don't even want these characters around <laughs> us anymore. <laughs> Get them out of here. 
But the death of them was so... It was like they got in a spaceship and was, flew off somewhere. It was, it was vague. Uh, I think it was during that that Marvel events. They sort of became gods. Oh. Correct. Like, like the thing became some like planet. It was like battle planet, and then Human Torch was like some sort of sun. It was really vague. Uh, I can't remember the name of that writer, but he, he writes a lot of convoluted stuff. <laughs> I never really gave a shit about the Fantastic Four that much anyways, but um, I just got annoyed being someone that has been a constant comic book fan and someone that has been following these books since I was a kid, you know, like 13 years old, and religiously, you know, having a poll and just going, uh, every fucking issue you put out, I'm buying, whether or not it's good or not, and I'm going to read all these issues. And Marvel just hit a point where they're like, we just do not care about the long-running fans. We just don't. I was a Marvel fan my entire life, but I think I might be reading more DC these days. Uh, Tom King has been writing some fucking awesome stuff for Batman and Miracle Man. Miracle Man, weird. Uh, it Miracle Man is fucking fantastic. The art is great, and Tom King uh, makes me realize like how much of a romantic I am because he writes a great relationship. Like mm-hmm. Miracle Man and his wife, Big Bertha or whatever her name is, <laughs> she's taller than him, and their chemistry is so fucking real. And uh, also, his relationship they writes for Batman and Catwoman, who are about to get married this summer. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> it is also so real, and it works for Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle. You're like, I, I understand why these two people work. I have I have to pick him up, man. I have fallen off the grid with all of it lately. Tom King writing some great romance comic books right now. <laughs> I'm all about it. What a romantic bet. <laughs> uh, but no, man. Like uh, I love I love comics, and you are one of my few friends that I think loves them, if not more than I do, which is cool. It, it's weird because like I wouldn't even consider myself a nerd. I'm not really interested in geek culture. I've never been to Comic-Con. I have no interest in ever going. Yeah. But I just, I love to read my stories. Yeah. I just want to write and read, and I don't want to dress up like anybody. (laughs) Well, it's two different types of fans at that point. Yeah. You know? Like, for, for me, and I'm sure for you, it was a world that I could disappear into and really have. You know what, too? Here's a funny story. One of the issues, I think one of the main reasons why I really got into comic books is that I was grounded for most of my childhood. So my grades were God fucking awful. Like I would come home with a report card and my mother would be like, no fucking TV for the year until you fix your fucking grades. And of course my grades didn't go up. So I, there was a, a good five years that I had no TV rights. So I missed a lot of the pop culture TV shit that people... Uh, get nerdy about at my age and I remember graduating from high school and just being like cool and I actually sat down for like three weeks and I watched like all the alien movies I watched like all that stuff like a two weeks after graduating from high school because I was grounded from TV for that fucking long I gotta get up <laughs> yeah, yeah seriously seriously so I had comics man so my my mother would be like okay we're everybody family TV time go upstairs and I would I would go upstairs and read my comic books uh, so I think that's probably why I have such a comfort for them is that they were my my TV growing up weird story right 
when I got grounded, I would basically get kicked out of the house because I I just play video games all day. That's all I was ever interested in. So I would just I never liked to exercise. Still don't. Uh, yeah, I would just throw rocks at a tree in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I, I know that that tree is still like scarred up because of me. I'm just angry that I'm not playing Tiny Tunes on Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man. It's it, it's a it's a funny thing. I think me being grounded has sort of shaped how I I I, I process entertainment these days, and I'm really not as addicted. I think which. Strangely, uh, my parents actually did me a justice, I think, by grounding me from all that stuff, which is weird because now everybody's so fucking like bingy and addicted to the shit, you know. And also nostalgia addicted. That's yeah. why we keep rebooting every single fucking franchise. Like, I feel like they're going to be making Ninja Turtles TV shows and movies after we're both dead, right? And right, and then it, the weird thing is that you have these cycles that happen with fashion and with with uh with entertainment where it's like okay remember the 70s 70s come back but when they bring it back it has its current flair so like 15 20 years from now and they start to reboot the reboot of the 70s then what the fuck is that you know what there's I mean? gonna be kids growing up like uh and there's gonna be a, a like a new charlie and the chocolate factory re- reboot and they're gonna be like it's not as good as the johnny depp one <laughs> <laughs> Which is not as good as the original one, which yeah. is not as good as the book. It's like you go all the way back and go like, what the fuck is this at this point? It's just ancestral. It's just like, stop breeding. Stop, stop, stop sleeping with your sister, man. Like, Write some new stories, you know? New stories are really tough, man. And, you know, being in the pitch process all week, I can see, I can see firsthand how this stuff happens. I can see how an idea that you have and you go into a room with an original thought, like a really original idea. And original ideas are scary for people because there's no point of reference. Yeah, because even when you're pitching, you need, you need to be like, okay, so this movie, it's like kick-ass meets exactly. this. And uh, it's like something you've heard before exactly. meets something else that you've heard before. Exactly. And it's the fastest way to take a very sort of low attention span listener and catch them up to where you are. It's like, picture the exorcist. And they go, uh, and in their head, it's like, and all that runs. And they go, we're in it. You know what I mean? And you're like, now it has nothing to do with that movie. <laughs> it's a lighthearted comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird game as a creative in this business because it is money and creativity. Like, you need them both. Like, And, and I think that there... Is something to be said about uh, actually having to answer to money and actually having your work, your stuff reworked and reprocessed because I've seen stuff that is just done by creatives. I think a lot of stuff that comes out on Netflix is is just run by the creatives and the end, it, like the third acts are fucking weird and it just doesn't flow right. And you're like, man, there should have been a couple more meetings in a room where people were kind of pushing back on you and making you think that out a bit more. Yeah, it's definitely good to get other sets of eyes on scripts and yeah. the like. I mean, for me, I, I I would rather have that. I would rather be sitting, because I have to answer for the money. Like, these things are so fucking expensive to make. And so you have to, at some point, answer 
to the person that is giving you that loot. And it's not like you fucking meet like Santa Claus. He shows up and he's like, congratulations, you're here. Here's the lottery. Here's fucking, you know, $15 million. No questions asked. You know what I mean? Well, you considering know? plenty of Netflix TV shows, uh, it sounds like it's that. They just <laughs> fucking greenlight well, everything. Well, the shit's changing on them really quick. Like, it's getting more difficult uh, to get your stuff greenlit. Um, it's, it, they're catching up to the system, I think. They're going to be a, a part of the system at this point. So uh, you got to be responsible. And you, for me, like if if I, you know, ask you, the listener, for money, or if I go on Kickstarter and ask for loot, um, I always try to pay out. I always ask myself, okay, why is this person going to give me this? And then what are they expecting? And then what can I do? And my best, how can I put my best foot forward to, to like, uh, to make sure that they get what their money's worth and and what you what i try to do is because i'm literally from the east coast so i have these ideas and me and and will sort of put these ideas together from uh, inspirations that are completely outside of this machine and then you come into this machine and people look at it and they go this is exciting but it's dangerously exciting and we don't know exactly how to fucking sell this the way you guys are doing it so if you just fix this and this and this and this and this, and then you want to make sure that you're getting into the rooms, but the next thing you know, you look at your piece and you're like, if we do everything that they say to do, then this is going to be like every fucking other thing that is coming out right now. They, they want something safe. And to them, movies are math problems. If, if we set up this equation, mm-hmm. we're going to get this answer. Uh, so they're, they're just looking at numbers. I mean, I write comedy. I'm on Twitter. If anybody ever gave a shit about me, they they're gonna go look at see how many followers I have, and then I'm gonna argue with them. Uh, look at the ratio. I don't even follow that many people. It's a good ratio. <laughs> That's true. That's very true, man. It's very true. And we all are creating content that is just being tossed into the sea of fucking content that is out there. So. How do you stand up? Like, how do you pull yourself above everybody else? And and the numbers for that shit is all fucking fake anyways. I always, I always like, turn my head when I see, like, a 16-year-old with, like, you know, a million, two million followers. It's like, okay, what service did your mom buy? Like, there was, like, an army of fucking, like, India tech people just fucking liking and unliking people for you to get that shit. I've seen those walls that they have in, I don't know if it's Russia or India, where it's just, there's a thousand cell phones like taped to a wall and they have all these different social media accounts just getting numbers up for people. I've never seen that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. And it's a scary thing because, again, these, these companies only care about the numbers. And uh, I'm not playing the Twitter game of following people in hopes that they follow me. You know, if for, I always tell my sponsors the same thing where it's like my followers, I don't have, you know, 100,000 followers, but my followers stay, they actually interact. And like I talk to folks and they talk back to me. So it's, they're real people and that's important, I think, in the long run. But fuck, man. That said, you can follow me at ugh, Brent, U-G-H-B-R-E-T-T on Twitter. <laughs> Go follow him, Hot guys. content every day. <laughs> Hot content. <laughs> I'm, con- I'm a hashtag content creator, hashtag influencer. Oh, I should tell you this story. So I'm in line to go to the Deadpool 2 pop-up bar 
They've redone one of my favorite bars to be like the bar in Deadpool, sponsored by Mike's Hard Lemonade. And the line is around the block. And the people running this event are walking up and down the line going, do we have any social media influencers here? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like that? I, that was a real sentence that I heard out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> Did you just slowly raise your hand? <laughs> I've got, uh, got uh, 50 friends on Instagram. Let me help you guys out with this. <laughs> uh, if I had the balls, I would have volunteered. But I'm sure they just wanted, like those types of YouTube personalities to promote the event. It's a big thing. Dude, in the fashion world, it's huge. Like when you're at a runway show, there was a, like whoever sits in like the front two rows of a runway show are like the influencers. <laughs> that, yeah. that fucking label makes me laugh. Oh, dude. And the idea that anybody would label themselves as that is hilarious to me. Like the fucking ego on you. Yeah. Like, what else do you do? You influence people. <laughs> but like, what do you? Because <laughs> you take good selfies. Is that is that what that is? You bought you bought like uh, two hundred thousand fake fucking followers online somewhere, and it's a bullshit. It's a scam. Like it it feels like a fucking scam where it's just like, oh my god, you and then. They actually start to get legit followers at some point because people are like, why the fuck do these people have 200,000 fucking people following them? And then you you look at these accounts and it's literally just somebody opening a box or fucking just smiling into the camera and now using those fucking filters where they start to look like alien. They have they have like the oval eye filters and shit like that. Like, have you seen these things? Oh, like the Snapchat, like cute dog yeah, but filters. the beautification ones now. Oh, they make your eyes bigger. And they change your complexion, and they change all of that yeah. shit. It's fucking creepy. That's dude. a swipe left on Tinder for me. <laughs> Any sort of filter like that. Thank God that they, you know, they still put like some weird little graphics over it because yeah. most most people look at it and they go, oh my God, she's really cute. And you're like... No, she's got big old alien eyes. Yeah, yeah, dude. In real life... She's got like three three noses, and the filter just wiped out two of them. <laughs> it's weird, dude. It's weird. Social media stuff is very strange. I guess the lesson is fake it till you make it, guys. That's always been <laughs> that's always been the lesson, man. I'm not supposed to tell people that I'm a delivery driver. I tell them I'm a, I'm a writer and performer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. It's 2018. We all have to have three jobs just to pay rent dude i mean you have to make money and if you're fortunate enough to make money doing what it is that you love in this business then you're 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 lucky you're very lucky but just because you don't make money doing what it is that you love doesn't doesn't say that you're not good at what you fucking do and and you should still feel if you're able to write if you're able to put something creative down on a page uh, and some people see it or, or just for yourself, you should be fucking happy that you can do that, period. You know, and if, if that means that you got to go work a fucking nine to five job somewhere and uh, make enough money so that you can sit in your apartment and write, then that's part of the process for you. Like, that's part of what you're supposed to do. I dude, I fucking do commercial work and shit. It's the same fucking thing. You know, you know, when you go in and doing corporate jobs, it's, you know, you you have to beg to go have that job and then you fucking 
you win that gig and then sometimes you're working with really creative people but sometimes you're on gigs where it feels like you're fucking just you know dropping people off and driving people around but it's all steps man i just do that shit to to be able to make movies i put some money in my bank account and then i blow all my money on a fucking movie and then i blow it on a trip out here to la for a week or two weeks and then hopefully someone buys the fucking thing now i'm gonna go back home and try to pay off my credit card and <laughs> go back into the fucking system again you know um that said i i do feel like the next generation scorsese is going to be driving for uber <laughs> like during the same weekend of his big premiere <laughs> yeah exactly exactly economy's shit it is man it's a tough place to be right now it is but you know i don't want to end it on a downer i don't want to end this show on a downer man but uh, you also can because <laughs> not everything works out <laughs> yeah. sometimes all the heroes die at the end Just, Thanos snapped his fucking fingers. Uh, so thanks for being on the show, Brett. Is there anything that you want to plug? Is there anything you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, you guys can uh, see me Friday at the Slipper Clutch. I'll be there from 9 p.m. to closing. I'm not performing. I'll just be drinking. <laughs> Downtown L.A. We'll see you there. So I hope you guys liked this episode. It was a lot of fun hanging out with my buddy Brett. I haven't seen him in a few years, and uh, he's a really he's a really fun guy to be around. And I, like he has had these crazy PA experiences that uh, that you know people write about. So I really uh, was happy that he came on board and uh, was able to share some of those stories with us. Um, I got to do some of the reads here for the sponsors that I didn't get to while we were doing the show. Um, so bear with me. Uh, first sponsor for this episode is our good buddies at Puget Systems. If you are a video editor, if you're a sound engineer, or if you're somebody who uh, just wants to buy a new computer uh, and you're tired of paying uh, the buku bucks for an unpackaging, basically, um, PCs are great, man. PCs uh, do the job fantastically, and they're a lot less expensive than uh, Apple products and uh, you can actually get them faster and you can uh, customize these things to be uh, like really powerful machines. Uh, so I ended up jumping onto the PC bandwagon when uh, I wanted to make my computer do what I needed it to do. I wanted to be able to upgrade my machine. I didn't want to become a slave to uh, whatever sort of uh, hardware outdating that uh, the company decided to do. So I did the research and I found this company called Puget Systems. Um, and uh, they have a great website. You head on over there and you can actually punch in the software that you use and that you edit with and they will suggest uh, a hardware configuration. Um, but you can get even more specific about what you do. You can actually talk to one of the customer support people and uh, they will help build you a machine. Um, they're a smaller company on the West Coast, um, but uh, because they are that size, they, you actually get a real person on the phone. Like when you call someone for tech support, you're not waiting for days to get answers. And the machines they build are lightning fast. I have two uh, 4K edit systems back at McFarland and Pesci that we have cut uh, over two years worth of content on at this point. Um, uh, I love these guys. They've been a constant support for my art and for the show. Um, and so if you want to become part of their family and if you want to buy and build a new PC, head on over to PugetSystems.com. 
next up are my good buddies over at Rule Boston Camera. If you are a filmmaker uh, or a freelancer, you're working on TV or video or even audio, and uh, you need to rent some equipment, uh, look up Rule Boston Camera. Um, I love having relationships with rental houses. I don't believe in uh, buying the latest trends. I don't believe in sinking hundreds and thousands of dollars in equipment that will be outdated uh, within like a year. So uh, thank God for rental houses because they have the newest and latest greatest stuff. They uh, beta test everything. Um, You can walk into one of these places like Rural Boston Camera and actually get trained on the latest stuff. Um, and actually go in there and play with the toys. And that way, when you have a client ask you, what do you think we should shoot this on? Uh, You have options. You're not just uh, trying to sell them on whatever you're indebted to. Um, So if you're on the East Coast uh, and you're looking for really great camera equipment and you're looking to hang out with a really good team of people, um, check out Rule Boston Camera. Also sponsoring this episode is my company, McFarland and Pesci. If you want to see the latest and greatest stuff that both Ian and I have been working on, head on over to McFarlandandPesci.com. You can also follow McFarland and Pesci at uh, Instagram. Uh, Ian's uh, movie, uh, The Godfathers of Hardcore, has been crushing it. He has been traveling all over the country doing the festival circuit. Um, and... Uh, we hopefully will have some great news coming out soon about a larger release for that. Um, you can also see some of our latest stuff that we're doing for Bose. I think it's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Really beautiful uh, shot stuff um, for the Better Sound Session series that we've been doing, which is super cool. Uh, so yeah, follow us over at McFarlandandPesci.com. Uh, we are for hire there, so if you want to... Uh, bring us on board to shoot a commercial or do something like that that is the best place to reach myself and ian um so that's it i think that's all the reads uh like i said i'm on uh, the west coast this week um it's been a really fun trip out here hanging out with uh my buddy will simmons who uh is writing the 12 kilometers feature film and uh he's also uh writing the new project that we're doing together Um, And we've been going around doing a bunch of pitch meetings all week, which has been uh, a really exciting experience. I actually got to go hang out on uh, Paramount Pictures lot, which is so cool, man. Last time I came out, I got to hang out on the Warner Brothers lot, which was an amazing experience. It's just, it's such a, one of the best things about LA is that this is the home of this stuff. This is the home of this industry. Um, and you really feel it if you ever have an opportunity to walk around on one of the back lots. Um, and man, I love the fake fucking streets and shit that they still have up. You know, like there's a whole New York street up in the lot at, at uh, Paramount that I sort of snuck around on. And, you know, you swear that you're walking through Manhattan. And, and on the back side of these like false uh, buildings are just, you know, you know, plywood and, and beams holding them up. So it's super fucking cool, man. It's really cool. There's a lot of really wonderful magic that is out here in LA um, when it comes to the movie industry. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun, and hopefully I'll be able to talk about these things soon. Uh, I'm sitting through the very long process of getting all this stuff greenlit, but uh, things are looking good, guys. 
Um, so I'm going to do a few more episodes this month. I've got one that I'm really excited about. Hopefully it will be the next episode and uh, we'll get it into play. I'm trying to sit down with a celebrity chef and a good friend of ours. Um, and I really want to talk about the process of opening up restaurants and, and really draw the parallels between that and filmmaking because there's a lot of similarities there. Um, so stick around and, and uh, continue to listen. And uh, I'm feeling a little uh, dry right now, <laughs> a little tired because it's been an intense week. Um, but I really appreciate you guys. And uh, thanks a lot.